we started investing in the space in 2017. So that was before the, you know, Cannabis 1.0, which was Canadian cultivation. Age is really good genetics. And I think, you know, like as the, as the consumer gets more educated, uh, you're going to have a, a, a market for that. Like we talked to doctors about this and they like back when we started CB1, we went to the pharma analysts. I think it was at Cowan and made this whole case about the endocrine. They laughed us out of the room. I mean, literally laughed in our faces. And like three years later, they wrote a hundred page white paper on the exact same. I was going to say, depending on who you ask, there's going to be wholesale change coming from above, from the federal level. Hi, my name is Jason Rasnick, the CEO of Benzinga, and welcome to the Raz Report. As always, before we kick things off, I want to quickly tell you about what Benzinga is. Before I started Benzinga in 2010, there were very few places to get real-time information on financial markets. I thought it was unfair that Wall Street had access to this information before the average Joe investor. So I created Benzinga to level the playing field for you, the retail investor. Benzinga is for the people and by the people. Now, let's dive into the show. All right. Welcome to this edition of the Raz Report. Very excited to have this guest on. Wanted him on for a long time. He's an entrepreneur, a financier, investor, hedge fund manager, writer, most read guy on Wall Street back in the day, no doubt about it. It is Todd Harrison from CB1 Capital Management. Welcome, Todd, to the Raz Report. Hey, hey Jason. It's good to see you again, my man. All right. Hopefully you can hear me, but excited to have you on because you have had multiple careers in your short time in the industry. And when you have these careers, you don't come, you don't do it small. Like one thing I've learned about you is that you always attracted attention, not because you were looking for attention. It's because you deliver quality products and quality information that's never changed. So I used to read Todd Harrison on Minionville and his, I don't even know how to say it, his prose, his uh, prose or his, his commentary, what he wrote was just, just above what anything else you see out there. It's, it's the honest truth. Um, and now, like, there's a new thing he's doing, toddharrison.substack.com. We're going to get into the cannabis space. But, Todd, what brought you in to the cannabis space? Um, I don't know if, I, if I've ever really been out of the cannabis space as long as I can remember. But what really got me focused on cannabis was coming out of 9-11, um, as you know, uh, I was president of Kramer Berkowitz, which was Jim Kramer's hedge fund down on 40 Fulton Street where the planes hit, you know, so saw a lot of unfortunate things. I didn't realize the impact that had on me for a bit, but I had the good fortune to go see a woman by the name of Dr. Julie Holland, who remains one of the foremost leading experts in the space. And she opened my eyes to the science, to the history, um, really made me rethink how I looked at the plant and, and really looked at it through more of a, 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 a lens of wellness as opposed to vice and, you know, started that track down towards CB1. So it's been about 15 years that we've been studying the plant. Uh, we, we hung a shingle at CB1, I think in 2017. Uh, so we have, uh, we have a fund, we invest in the space. We do some advisory work. We do some advocacy work. Um, you know, interesting times. We're going to get to all that, but I have, to, I want to take it back. You said you went and met this doctor and, and the doctor mentioned about cannabis, the plant. Was it like a therapist? Um, I'm asking because I think like Howard Stern, the guy has probably a few hundred million dollars. He goes to therapy two to three times a week. I think in America, there's a, like a, a stigma on getting, getting help from other people and talking about mental health. And I have no idea if this person was that at all. But I'm just asking in case it was so other people can see that someone as, as, as successful as you 
like sought help. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's no shame in, in talking about it. I mean, I was, I had PTSD. I didn't know what that was. I knew I was very depressed. I knew I was very forlorn. Uh, I shut myself down from the world. I had very bad thoughts for a long time. She was a pharmacologist. Um, and she's somebody who I, uh, I started seeing because I realized I needed help, thankfully. Uh, and, and I, you know, she's on our board of advisors now at CB1. She remains uh, an, a, a colleague to this day. Uh, but yes, I've had, to your point, I've had, uh, you know, mental illness in my family. My father suffered, may he rest in peace, he passed away last year. He was bipolar. Uh, and I've, you know, I think it's one of the most misunderstood diseases uh, in society. So yes, you're not going to get any sweeping under the rug there. But cannabis, you know, I think is part of the solution is where we net it out. Uh, and it was, you know, for my PTSD and then my partner who became my partner, this gentleman who I met saw for a seizure disorder using cannabinoids. And you know, we started to look at this and say, wow, you know, there's all these different indications and there's all these different wellness uh, attributes. And we really dove deep into it and surrounded ourselves with people who we thought were pretty educated uh, in a world where it's illegal uh, to be educated <laughs> or was anyway illegal or very difficult uh, to get educated or do any sort of research. So it, it's been, a, it's been a, a bit of a longer road than we thought, Jason, and it continues to continue. Well, and we're going to go into your investing and what you do, your newsletter, and what you're doing on the charity aspect, because he's involved with another mission, but back in the day, it was the Ruby Peck Foundation. I met Todd at one of his gatherings, uh, named after his grandfather, I believe. And by the way, Todd, this is not me Googling. This is straight memory. But one thing I just, I need to go back to, I don't know if I knew that about you, maybe where, you know, the mental health stuff, but anyone listening, anyone we all, and I mean every single person, all have mental health stuff that we need help with, be it taking medicine, be it talk, talking about cannabis. And we're going to get into that because I, I go through it. I get really stressed in the mornings when I have to get up in the morning. I get you know anxious about certain things. And Todd just talked about it, and I just think that's awesome. So continue to tune in the Razorworks. We're going to talk more later about that and like how – cannabis has um, impacted him and impacted others i think but before we do i just like you um your cannabis confidential substack newsletter i know i'm jumping around but i have to say like you started it recently i have two questions that what made you start it and um is it a, is it like a true passion you have well education's always been a passion i do think that there are canna uh, cannabinoids that can help with add uh, Jason, if, uh, if, if we could talk about that after we could jump around together. Um, Please but I've do. always liked to write. I, I, you know, I started writing when Jim Cramer asked me to fill in for him in July of 2000 when he went to the Hamptons and I had never written before. And I just, you know, took a stab and enjoyed it, pop culture and, uh, and the other sort of, uh, creative ways to maybe let some steam out, but it also allowed synthesis, allowed me to synthesize what was going on. Um, and, you know, I started a stub stack a couple of years ago. I did it maybe once a month, uh, as the case may be, a couple, every couple of weeks anyway. But I told myself that once I got to 5,000 subscribers, I would try to monetize it. And it just so happened that happened uh, at June 26th. So right in the midst of a 900 some odd day bear market in cannabis into the summer, uh, into right when, uh, when safe banking failed to move uh, through the Senate before the summer session. So I talk about like, you know, launching something into the depths of despair, right? And it's either genius or it's madness, but we'll see. So write a daily recap, uh, talk about what's going on. There's a wellness band, but there's also, you know, we're here looking to try to 
make money as well as this market comes online um, and fights through the many different artificial and real impediments that it faces from here to normalcy. Um, but uh, it talks about that. So, uh, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I pick at it all day when I have time. And then sometime after the close, I put it out there and it just sort of recaps what's going on and things to pay attention to because, you know, what was it, 925 days ago, there was a lot of excitement about this sector. And if I told you then that you could buy this 90% off with New York and New Jersey and Maryland and uh, Missouri and, and Connecticut and all these other states de-risking the longer term thesis and perhaps never being closer to federal incremental reform, you'd probably be excited. But I think right now people are just so defeated uh, and I get it. Uh, but I don't think that the opportunity has changed. I just think that the market and the timing and the conditions have changed. So uh, we talk. Yeah, and let's we're going to go to that in one in one question about that's a freaking great point. Nine hundred days, and now you have all these other states opened up, and yeah. But before we go to that, you know how when you write this letter, you have a passion for writing. My question to you is, do you not? When you like, I have to write a piece. Is it every day you're like, oh, I got to write another piece, or do you look forward to writing your piece and getting your opinion out there? Depends. I think is a fair is, a, is the honest answer. There are some times that you you know you don't really feel uh, like sharing, but you know it's not. You know, people think that I'm on Twitter all day. I will tell you a little secret. Like I collect these headlines and such, and I usually populate Twitter by nine thirty in the morning. So I'm done with Twitter. I you know, we'll post something every half hour as the case would be. And if something breaks, I'll throw it on there. But it's gotten pretty venomous and toxic and not the best use of energy for me. Um, so um, I spend more time on, I, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a smaller group of Twitter subs uh, for the, for the uh, that I talk about, you know, the market and the flow and what we're doing and what we're seeing and people who are interested in that, you know, uh, are welcome. But there's no acrimony. There's no assholes. We, you know, there's no time for that. Um, Substack no, really that. is an amalgamation of that. So as I'm sort of populating Twitter, I'm also populating the column for the day. Uh, and then as the day evolves and the themes start to stand out, then, you know, the last thing I'll do is, is pick a title and sort of write the recap around uh, what happened. But by the end of the day, it's usually pretty done uh, by hook or by crook. So it's not as big of a time suck. I've been doing this writing while trading, trading while writing. Uh, uh, multitasking for 23 years now. So it's, it would almost feel odd if, if I didn't do it. Interesting. Okay. So now let's go to your hedge fund experience in the stock market and cannabis. So you mentioned 900 days ago, everyone's excited about cannabis okay. right now. Maybe they're not, maybe the market's not into it. Even though some companies are reporting profits, I think Terra Sen run by Jason Wilde just had a, a good quarter. Um, and you do a lot of work with uh, several other cannabis companies. What's your take on the cannabis investing space? And if you can't talk about certain ones, I understand, but love to hear from an expert. Again, Todd Harrison, guys, like made money in bear markets, bullish markets. <laughs> I can't show you his resume or I can't show you his P&Ls from back in the day. I guess we probably could if we really went back and did all that stuff. But the budget we have here at Benzinga won't allow for that. But just trust me to say the guy knows what he's talking about. If you're meeting Todd for the first time, I don't say that about many people. You can watch my interviews. I have not really said that. This guy is the guy. And so, Todd, just jump in and take it. Like the 900-day point you make is really, really yeah, a good I mean, point. Yeah, I mean, listen, this has been a lot this, these last, I mean, it, remember, we, we, we opened this, we started investing in the space in 2017. So that was before the 
you know, cannabis 1.0, which was Canadian cultivation and that boom and bust, and then cannabis 2.0, which is CPG, US led CPG. Uh, and that had its run, you know, into the election of 2020 uh, and the blue wave, if you remember that. And then it all started to fall apart. And I think it was February 10th of 2021 was that sort of exhaustion top. Uh, and it hasn't looked back since. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that, um, from the deflation and the underlying price of cannabis, because remember during the during the uh, pandemic, you know, everyone was sitting at home growing cannabis, for lack of a better analogy, and there was just so much supply. And of course, when you have a lot of supply, prices crash. And that, you know, a lot of people made money during the pandemic and through the pandemic. Uh, and I think at the same time, the states took their foot off the gas in terms, or some states, I should say, in terms of what is a viable framework for a legal state level market. And I look at New York when I say that, and they said, okay, you know, we got all this COVID cash flushing through our budgets, you know, we can do something really unique and, and reward all of these, you know, former convicts and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's very difficult, if not impossible, to legislate wealth as New York is finding out the hard way right now. Um, so those have been missteps. Uh, and I think the federal government had opportunities to pass safe banking a couple of years ago, which is five, six percent right off the top uh, of a difference if you want to quantify it. Uh, and then, you know, we use the analogy all the time that it's easy to hold your breath for a minute under 10 feet of water, but almost impossible to hold your feet, uh, hold your breath uh, uh, for 10 minutes under a foot of water. And, you know, it's been, as I said, 925 days. Um, so what's happening? Um, you know, is you've got a war of attrition now, and a lot of these social justice programs couldn't get off the ground. A lot of these smaller companies don't have what it takes to, to get through this because of the tax structure. 280E is a 70% effective tax rate. Uh, there's no credit cards, there's no banking. Um, they've done everything they can to try to hold <clears throat> this industry down. Uh, so you've seen, you know, year over year, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier today, you know, some of these companies like flat growth and you're like, okay, uh, but if you look closer, you have unit volume that continues to get better, but you have price deflation, which is crunch margins. At the same time, you've got inflation and everything around us except for your product, which is deflating. So it's been sort of the worst of all worlds for cannabis companies over the last couple of years. Uh, and there's been, a, I think, a fairly healthy debate about is cannabis even a growth sector anymore? I wrote about this, I think, yesterday or two days ago. Uh, because you look at year over year and you sort of look at what these companies have to do. But, you know, when you have a status quo where you can't deduct ordinary operating expenses and you can't get access to capital and, and, and you're basically in survival mode, you do what it takes to survive. And if that means cutting CapEx, if that means not investing in your future as much just so you can get to the other side of the industry, then so be it, because there's going to be a lot fewer people that are there when you get to the other side. So these politicians, the Cory Bookers of the world, I will lay myself down, like they've created the very oligopoly that they tried so hard to avoid uh, by doing this. Because the Veranos of the world, the Green Thumbs, the Terrasens, and some others, Glasshouses crushing in California, like there's companies that are going to find their way through this. But if they don't democratize the environment, and there's ways that they can, and we'll get to that, um, it's going to, you know, they're going to continue to fortify, you know, iron sharpens iron, they're going to have a handful of companies, this fang. Uh, that is fortified, it is forged out of the many pets.coms and the many web vans that went into the Y2K bump, if you want to look at that analogy. Okay, no, that is great. And we're going to get more into the micro, the ways that they can democratize things and figure out how to make this industry right. And we're also going to talk about, um, you know, Weldon, uh, Mission Greens, things like that. But before we do, I just read your blog post on, uh, you know, a state that's close to me. 
Sparta rules. It was uh, Michigan. You said Michigan's a top market. I don't know if I'm giving too much information, but uh, Todd has some family that went to University of Michigan, some family that went to Ohio State. Ooh. I almost wore um, my Ohio State shirt for you today, but uh, I didn't want to do oh that Oh, my to you. God. Yeah, no, it, it actually, it's so weird. It kind of hurts, like, when I see it. And I have to be honest, Todd, up until the last two years, it hasn't been a rival. Ohio State's killed Michigan, but now at least it's something. Okay, so Todd wrote a blog post about Sparta. So Michigan – what are they saying? The top market right now or something? Yeah, per capita, it's number one right now. And it's surprising. Michigan's very saturated the state. But, you know, you talked about Jason Wild earlier in Terrasend and how deep they've gone there. You know, there's a handful of states you can sort of go that deep uh, from a dispensary footprint. And they've, you know, they caught a lot of shit for going into Michigan and paying what they paid, which was part timing. But as I always tell, you know, the team there, Jason, Z, Keith, like I don't look at Michigan as a, as a silo for them. I look at the gauge brand as a dividend that that's going to continue to pay across New Jersey and Maryland and Pennsylvania and, and the rest of their footprint gauge is really good genetics. And I think, you know, like as the, as the consumer gets more educated, uh, you're going to have a, a, a market for that, uh, you know, in any market, you know, you talk about the 1%, there's a 1% in cannabis too. Like I, I do the channel checks in New Jersey because New York sucks cannabis wise. Um, and I talk to the bud tenders and they can't keep gauge uh, on the shelves. You know, they say somebody had said to me there that they thought that cookies was like a 37 year old LeBron. But that that gauge or I think they might have even said kind tree was like a 19 year old LeBron. And I thought that was interesting because the consumer is getting smarter. Uh, but but ultimately, the genetics and the ability to grow really good cannabis. And I think of Glasshouse, I think of Forefront and their mission dispensaries. I mean, this is, at the end of the day, what we're doing. If you can do that at scale, at a low cost, um, and do it uh, you know, better than others, you're going to win. Uh, and we are now in that process of weeding out you know, the winners from the sinners. And like I said, you know, there was real hope that we could have seen some progress by the summer with regard to, to safe banking. I thought uh, the Silicon Valley bank crisis in the spring uh, probably cost us that victory. It push, pushed everything by a month. Uh, but we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks when they come back from uh, from their summer vacation. And uh, we'll see if safe can get through the banking committee uh, and then uh, through, through the Senate. And then ultimately, we also have, um, you know, the HHS and the DOJ and their scheduling review, which could solve for, for uh, 280E and, and taxes. So there are it's some funny. lights at the end of the tunnel that may not be affixed to the front of the train. But, you know, after this long, I don't think many people are giving the benefit of the doubt to our legislators and politicians anymore. I, I hear you. It's funny, though. One, your one answer here gives me like 10 other questions. And I know we only have limited time, but you just mentioned gauge uh, genetics and yeah. it's, um, you know, going off the shelf and people love it. How do you. Th so I went to a cannabis store with Todd and he showed me around <laughs> and we had a, a person helping around. us. Yeah, yeah, it's Verano. Exactly. Yeah. And I, um, you know, learned a little bit, but like, how does the word of mouth of gauges genetics get out there? Is there like, like, how do the bud tenders find out? Is it just, is it literally just like word of mouth? Just like if you're in the golf industry, people know that the new tailor made the new Callaway or the drivers like, is that how it works? I mean, I think it's word of mouth right now because there's no standard for advertising. Um, I mean, listen, when I go to Massachusetts, it's like everybody I talk to, I'm like, where do you go for your cannabis? And they're like, yeah, we go to Mission. Like, you know, well, it's, it's twice as far as the next, but we'll go because it's that good. And I remember when they rolled over their genetics at NECC in, in Connecticut and in, uh, uh, Massachusetts like a couple of years ago. And, you know, 
it's just that's the difference maker. Now, of course, there is the conversation that ultimately cannabis as an ingredient, right? Because you'll drink it, you'll rub it on, you'll, you know, take it in tincture form. I mean, my wife doesn't, yep. uh, she doesn't like to smoke, but she went through neck surgery and, you know, she used the, the, um, the bombs. I mean, she lives on them because yep. it, it's the only thing that helps with, with her nerve pain. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of use cases and it's not going to be about who can grow the best cannabis. I think ultimately it's going to be, uh, very much about CPG and brands, but also about, um, you, you know, use cases and functionality of those particular cannabinoids and tailoring that to, to a patient and 3.0, I'm talking, uh, cannabis is medicine. So like we're, we're in a learning curve right now, but until the U S government gets out of the way, you know, we're sort of stuck in the past here. All right. I had these organized questions here, but now I'm just throwing them away because I, I wasn't going to go here, but just what you said really just hit me because I remember now something you said or something you wrote and I read it three years ago and you said it and I, um, and I, I like repeat it, like trying to paraphrase you, but I do a terrible job. So this is what we're going to go to. You just mentioned about the rubs, the tinctures. My mom and dad were in a hotel room four years ago. They smelled it smelled like skunks next to them and then the hotel room next door. So they called security. They thought there was like a skunk in the room next door. They didn't know it was cannabis. Okay. That's how, that's how like ignorant or what, or what have you. My mom now swears by, it's called extreme. It's um, I have the same bottle. I use it when I, my shoulder hurts on golf. She uses it for her back. She did everything you could imagine Todd for her back, this extreme, whatever it's called. It's a rub. It's a, I don't know how, what, what exactly the term is. She swears by it. It saved her back. It's one of these things that's been unbelievable to her. The reason where this is coming together is that many years ago, well, not, you talked about this, that in the 1950s or I don't know what years, the 40s, you one time talked about how cannabis or hemp was legal and then pharmaceuticals got involved and then it became illegal. You were like the one person that like told this story in a succinct manner, and I like, resonate with me. But I, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was it was when they repealed prohibition, and, and it's funny also. We could talk about the rhyme between the socioeconomic landscape when prohibition was repealed and the socioeconomic landscape today. And I wrote this tweet in 2012 that the first depression caused the caused the end of prohibition. The next depression will cause the modern prohibition of cannabis to end. I wrote that 13, 11 years ago. Um, I still believe it, still waiting for it. Um, but yes, this is all very pernicious. Uh, they basically, the U.S. government wanted to stop the migration of, um, of Mexican immigrants through El Paso. And so how they did that was they went to ban marijuana, which the AMA at the time, you know, cannabis was being used for fussy babies. AMA, American Medical, Medical Association. What's that? Amer AMA stands for American Medical Association. Yes. yes, sir. Okay. So it was all, this was in society. I mean, it was pretty, you know, you hear about like, you know, the, um, you know, just the, how versatile it, it was through society, but they didn't know the AMA and the doctors didn't know that cannabis was marijuana. So they passed, they banned, they outlawed marijuana. Um, and the AMA was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, and it was too late and they tried to change it, but it was too late. This is all part of the American register. This is all history. Uh, and they've kept it there and they've made it very difficult to unwind by design. And Nixon, if you go and take, you go look at <laughs> Nixon cannabis tapes, 
he's on, he's recorded, you know, they show him that it has efficacy. I think it was for epilepsy and for cancer potentially after they studied it. And he said, ignore it. These are the Jews. He blamed the Jews. He said, these are the Jews trying to do their thing or whatever it was. It's all on tape. And, you know, it remains schedule one. I mean, this is one of the great, you know, I used to think growing up that propaganda was a Russian thing, right? This is your brain on drugs and reefer madness, but the U.S. is just as bad, right? Mind control. This is something that's actually beneficial. It's the only, I think, the only, you know, uh, drug where, you know, people take it for the side effects, really. I mean, this is, there's, there's so much efficacy and so much genuine wellness, uh, you know, in this plant. And we haven't uncovered it. There's so much more we need to learn, but until it gets off schedule one, it's going to be a real bear to, to study it, at least in the U S. Wow. And so if that didn't happen or if like cannabis never got looked at that way, do you think this day and age, like Ambien, Xanax would not be a thing and there would be different cannabinoids of like, Here's your thing for anxiety. Here's your thing for sleep. Yeah. Here's your thing for ADD. Ultimately, I mean, and this was, we left out the part of the story where like the robber barons of the time, like the Hearsts and the paper empires, they, you know, because the hemp was such, is such, such a versatile crop. Hemp, you know, really could, could damage so many different industries if it was adopted. And so all of this, you know, follow the money goes back through history before there was, these were recorded on, uh, you know, cell phones. I mean, all of this stuff has sort of been driven by greed and money and racism, really. I mean, because they weaponize this plant uh, to stop, you know, a certain type of people from entering this country. Um, and, you know, I, I think people are getting smarter demographically. I remember I went on, I went on Yahoo Finance, or what was it, uh, before, that was before CNBC, like 12, 13 years ago, talked about this as my single best idea for the next decade. Uh, and, and they, and they looked at me like I had four heads and I was trying to explain them like, this is, you know, everybody who's opposed to it, not everybody, but the majority, they're, they're going to age out over the course of the next 10, 15 years. And sure enough, that's what we're seeing now. You look at these polls, they come out every day. We talk about them on, you know, on cannabis confidential. I mean, the number of people who have uh, tried cannabis, the number of people who actively use cannabis, uh, the tax revenues from cannabis, you know, is, is as much as alcohol and cigarettes in Colorado now. So it's like follow the money, right? And that's why, you know, that's why right now this is at such a frustrating place, right? Because you have stakeholders from sitting all around the table, all of whom have a legitimate claim on this plant, right? You have the legacy guys, you have the operators who have followed the rules, you have the criminal justice advocates, you have the social justice advocates, you have, you know, I guess corporate America, and everybody wants their piece of this, and everyone's sort of pulling on this baby, but. You know, keep pulling on the baby, as I as I like to say, you're gonna pull the baby apart. And and I get frustrated because the industry, the cannabis industry, the operators we work with or investing in, you know, there's a bunch of them, but we should be able to stand together as an industry and say, this is what we need as the next step. We want safe banking as the incremental next step. And from there, you know, we'll take schedule three because that's what's politically feasible right now. It's not where we wanna go, not where we need to go. People shouldn't be in prison for a plant. I think, you know, but it's not going to happen in one fell swoop. Uh, it's it's a multi-step process, whereas the alcohol industry, if they want to kill banking, as they did in December, they need one step. And that's just to get into Mitch McConnell's ear or whoever it is who could put the kibosh on this. And that's what we've seen over and over again. So the industry needs to come together. I'm hoping that uh, we'll see we'll see that in September, October. But, you know, people are scared right now. 
And, uh, you know, when you're scared, you tend to do things that you may not otherwise do. All right, we're going to get into about the industry coming together in one second. But before that, I know you briefly touched on it, but you're from there, you live there. Why has New York just why has New York in particularly been so disappointing? I have my uh, opinion on it, but w- what's your opinion? I think they went in to war of- with the ROs or the MSOs. Um, they tried to make a statement that, you know, we're not going to let big business take over New York cannabis. But the MSOs aren't big business. Like they're the entrepreneurs and pioneers, in my view, who've done it better than others to get to this point. Um, We used to celebrate those type of people in America, not disparage them. Uh, I think of big cannabis. I look at Anheuser-Busch or Philip Morris, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably where it ends up going and probably not the best. But like to get from here to there, at least maybe we'll get rewarded by the Jason Wilds or the George Arcos or or the Green Thumbs or whoever it is, right? Like there's, there's some really good, um, companies, good operators out there trying to do the right thing. New York basically said, I told you they had the COVID cash come in and they said, okay, let's, you know, I don't want to say create the most woke program ever, but that's sort of what they set out to do. And listen, I think there's a big difference between criminal justice and social justice. I don't think people should be in prison for a plant, but I don't necessarily think those same people should be at the front of the line for a metropolis like New York when you have companies that have been spending years and hundreds of millions of dollars building toward that day so they can get safe, regulated products at scale to the marketplace, employ people, generate tax revenue. Missouri did it, Maryland did it, leverage the existing medical framework and go from there. New York tried to do the opposite. And they might have to tilt and start over, which is not gonna be good for anybody, but what they've built is not sustainable to scale on. So I don't see how they don't have to do that. And, and the, the thing that the, all this illegal cannabis that's being sold at every store in New York, Bruce Linton was on the show and he said, can you buy moonshine anywhere? And I'm like, no. And he's like, eventually the government's going to stop the legal cannabis because they make tax dollars on it. I don't know if that's going to happen, Todd, but that's what he said. Cause like, if you go to a regular store, they sell cannabis and they're not supposed to, but they somehow get away with well, it. There. Most New Yorkers think that's the legal framework because it's on every corner, you know, and Jeff Schultz will tell you, cause he was very um, active in as were we in trying to impress this upon the New York regulators, but go after the landlords, find them every day that they're selling cannabis and watch how quickly those, you know, those shut down. Like the optics of going after the operators are terrible anyway. You go, you go after the certificate of occupancy, you find them. That's a great idea. And, 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 you know, it's about the money at the end of the day, because if you take the stash, there's going to be more behind it. Um, But yes, it's going to change. So why don't they do that? Jeff Schultz, a fellow Michigan, a year young, two years younger than me from the same community. That's a great idea. Go after the landlords, Todd. Why don't they do that? They just, I mean, last week maybe, but they just started. Oh, okay. Making progress. All right. So, um, you did we're, one more until we get to Mission Green, but you just mentioned cannabinoids for ADD, <laughs> not just ADD, but I mentioned anxiety. Are there like if you said, hey, Jay, you know, Gage has this brand that'll help focus you and like are are the products created that way yet? Like, could you say, Jason, go buy this and it'll help you with your ADD? There, there's generalities where that falls flat. Uh, is that we're all different. Our physio- our physiologies are all unique. So what may work for you won't necessarily work for me. Um, and cannabinoids are, you know, there's, I don't know, call it 150 to 200. Nobody knows because this, this system was, the endocannabinoid system was first discovered in the early 90s. Like I would graduate in Syracuse. Like 
they just found this. So it was never taught, not, it was just recently began being taught in medical schools. Like we talked to doctors about this and they like back when we started CB1 and we went to the pharma analysts, I think it was at Cowan and we made this whole case about the endocrine and they laughed us out of the room. I mean, literally laughed in our faces. And like three years later, they wrote a hundred page white paper on the exact same thing. And it wasn't there really? was no animosity. They just you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't learn. And this yep. is you know this is a pretty significant thing. It, it's the most ubiquitous net, network of receptors in the human body. It helps to regulate neurotransmissions. Big deal. Everything that's on the market right now either clamps down on neurotransmissions or it speeds them up. Nothing regulates them. Nothing helps, as my partner likes to say, that skipping record from getting back on track. Um, okay. And that's the magic of the endocannabinoid system. So to your point. There's no, I can't say to you, you should like this anymore that I could say to you, like if you walk into a bar and I say pick an alcohol and you pick the Campari and you're like, oh, I don't like alcohol. I'm like, no, you don't like Campari, right? I, but there's other things that might suit you better. And it's a similar analogy, but I do think that when we get to the place from a technology standpoint, that by the time, God willing, uh, our children are our age, you're going to be able to go somewhere and get a custom suite of cannabinoids that are specifically suited to your to your endocannabinoid system. So it's going to be almost like a tailored vitamin for your system. Where are you deficient? And this is why when you're kids, it's not so good because you're still developing as you get older and your endocannabinoid uh, I don't say it starts to fade, but it, it, the cannabinoids and cannabis can help your body to through, through these natural processes by um, uh, supplementing uh, those cannabinoids. Uh, and, and we're just scratching the surface of what we understand, but we do know that of all the cannabinoids, only about 10% will get you high, uh, but they're all therapeutic. CBD, right? It's an antipsychotic. Uh, people take it to sleep, but what it really is doing is it's they're not being so obsessive so they can relax and then fall asleep, whereas CBN, does not get you high, but it's specifically suited to help you sleep. No hangover. You talked about Ambien earlier. This is a category killer. And you wonder why big pharma's been, you know, this is. Well, I, Todd, I, I have Ambien. Uh, I don't take it all the time, but I do take it sometimes. And maybe I need to take something else that's cannabis Try CBN. Related. I mean, you're in Michigan. You, I mean, <laughs> you, you're very lucky, right? I mean, because uh, I can't get CBN where I am. I mean, I can go to Jersey and, you know, smuggle so, at home. So, so you know, CBN it's called? CBN, yeah. I'm writing it and, down. And it's okay. great. I mean, uh, uh, GTI is snoozeberries, but there's, you know, there's other. I'll, I'll buy I'll, I'll buy it for you. I don't know if I'm allowed to send it, but somehow no, I'll no, get it to you. Okay. I'll see you soon anyway, right? We're going to see nope. each other soon. If you can't get it in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Todd will be at the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. He'll host a private dinner. Also, Todd has, again, the Cannabis Confidential Substack. You can see it at toddharrison.substack.com. I'm telling you, if you want to be in the know on this industry and you know, people want to be in the know in the industry when they start with it after it's too late. What Todd does is he gets early and he gets deep. So we talked a little bit about some cannabis companies. <laughs> we said Terrasen, Verano, um, any uh, like other public ones or any public ones you think people should look at from a long-term investment standpoint, or if you don't want to get into names, I don't know, is there an index well, or an I, ETF that you like? That, we can look at, you know, this is a very difficult uh, environment who, who sort of stood out in Q2. Uh, you know, there's a few people out there, myself included, who look at the aggregate and say that this is potentially the trough fundamentally, right? I mean, on the aggregate from a revenue standpoint, it's hard to argue when you've got Maryland, Missouri, Connecticut, all ramping. Um, they'll get New York figured out. 
Um, but there's other states that are coming on. We know Ohio is voting in, in uh, November. Yep. Um, and then we have Florida that's going through Supreme Court challenge, but that would be huge. Uh, and then Pennsylvania. So those are three swing states uh, ahead of an election that could really make a difference. But um, it, it's really, I think, about getting to a tipping point. And depending on who you ask, you know, and, and I don't think it's any secret, um, I was going to say, depending on who you ask, there's going to be wholesale change coming from above, from the federal level. Uh, but depending on who you ask, you know, what's the timing? Is it the end of this year? Like it's been signaled by some. Uh, will it drag into uh, next year ahead of the election? So more bang for the political buck. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that the companies that could figure out, you know, their way to get through this trough, this tunnel, this, you know, if it's Andy Dufresne and that tunnel is shit, like that's where we are. Like it's been two and a half years of shit. Uh, but there is another side to a cycle if you believe in the cyclicality of, of the world. I just, I'm just hoping that the broader market uh, still has a bid when that when that time comes. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the question, right? It, it, like, which ones survive? And um, I know you work with some, so it's hard to say. Um, but on the other side of things, you talked earlier about the cannabis industry coming together. Yes, we do it at the Benzinga Cannabis Conference, um, but there's also this Mission Mission Green, Weldon Weldon Angelos. Uh, can you? Give the little story there, the cliff note version, um, and then so let's talk about Mission Green and how you're how you're involved. And yeah, this yeah. is so, an I mean, Weldon's, Weldon's a fascinating story. He's you know he's a music producer in the '90s. Uh, I think it was Snoop and and some other and, uh, a few others from his uh, I guess uh, uh, music uh, circle were traveling to visit Weldon in Utah to uh, cut records. Uh, Weldon was a producer. Uh, and I guess the Salt Lake City police caught wind, didn't like it, didn't want Utah to get infected. Uh, and then so they set up Weldon uh, and um, had an undercover, uh, not an undercover, I'm sorry, an informant that Weldon knew, somebody he knew, show up and, and buy, what was it, uh, $300 worth of weed on three separate occasions. Uh, and the next thing you know, the SWAT team is busting down his door and they slap on, they try to get him for 110 year mandatory uh, it, it, the charges that were filed was a 50 uh, and he was convicted of a 55 year mandatory minimum sentence. Um, and it was so egregious that unbelievable. The judge, it's unbelievable. But the judge who was, uh, uh, appointed by a Republican, I believe a federal judge who, who had to sentence him, uh, stepped off the bench, uh, in protest and began advocating. And then Others did too, including the Koch family, uh, you know, and, and Kim Kardashian, talking about strange bedfellows and uh, all these other people. And sure enough, uh, you know, he, he got out. Um, uh, it was through the help of uh, a number of different people. Uh, and then he went immediately to start advocating to get the, uh, the first step back passed, which would repeal this mandatory minimum sentencing. Uh, and he got it done. Interestingly, the first time he tried to get it done, Mitch McConnell knocked it down. Uh, and then uh, his friends in high places got involved and, and then it passed. So here we are, you know, all these years later, uh, and we are trying to get behind Weldon to move this country away from the war on drugs uh, and have to do it incrementally because it's the only path forward. Uh, but I've walked the halls with this man uh, in Washington. I've watched the, the senators and the lawmakers from both sides of the aisle come out and take pictures with them. Dick Durbin called him a legend on the congressional record. Uh, and in a world where these politicians don't necessarily 
respond well to a lot of people uh, in our industry and otherwise. Um, I think he's got the ear of both sides and, and with my money and for my money is the best man to move this forward. So we started when I, after we met, after we didn't get safe past in December, it was, you know, the, the, our space crashed and it was terrible uh, again. And Weldon called me on January 4th and he told me that he had gotten a call from a senator uh, who said, you guys really need to get your shit together. Uh, and so I said to him, well, why don't we just, you know, uh, take the program that we uh, initiated with Verano a couple of years ago, which you saw when you were there, Jason, um, uh, which I believed at the time was a roundup program. Uh, it was a marketing program. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I said, why don't we just take that and roll it out everywhere? And he said, can you do that? And I said, what else are we going to do? Um, and so the last eight months, seven months, we've been going, uh, and by the way, there's no backend system from a point of sale standpoint. That's like an API. You can just plug and play and it sits across all these networks. Every, every one of these is different, uh, not just at the operators, but pretty much by the state, by the store. Um, so we had to, after we went around and got all these people say, yes, it's a great idea. I'm in, how do we do it? Uh, we were like, okay, well, how do we do it? And, and nobody had a figured out how to actually do it. So we had to go then to all this, you know, the point of sales guys, service providers, uh, had some really good, you know, friends help out who were in that space. Uh, and here we are, we've got ourselves, you know, a, a pretty good alliance, uh, everyone from Glasshouse, Air Wellness, Terrasend, Forefront, Pharmacan, uh, Verano, uh, and then, you know, good folks like in Bankst and Aeropay and Headset Salt. Uh, everybody's been very uh, helpful as we said to them, you know, we don't want to ask anybody to write a check in this environment, but we have no problem asking consumers of legal cannabis to be the change they hope to see and round up for federal cannabis reform. And that's what we're rolling out uh, to the best of our ability so that we can arm Weldon with the money he needs to affect this positive change. Yeah. And Todd has taken a big role in helping to affect this positive change. The program is called Mission Green. Uh, Weldon, I think, will be at the Benzinga conference. It's in September 27th, 28th. Um, but Todd has pushed it forward and he, he's not charging fees. This is again, to get the government to do the right thing. Like talking about the 1940s, 50s. Again, my mom, I keep saying the word again. I apologize for that. But my mom, not ever thinking cannabis would be a solution for her. I'm telling you someone with a, and by the way, Todd and I know this. We've had Kelvin Johnson on the stage and other football players who the cannabis was their only solution to relieve the pain. Like, and which is crazy to me. And this is where the thing that Todd said many years ago was how pharmaceuticals pushed back against this stuff. So imagine listening to this show right now. Imagine being in super much, you know, when you're in super pain, like, I, like when you're in big, when you have big pain, you have a shoulder pain, elbow pain, tennis elbow. Imagine there's a solution out there. It's a solution. It exists. It comes from the ground and people aren't letting you have it, like aren't letting you. And that is why I think you hear Todd Harrison, who is, listen, he could go trade stocks and be a hedge fund manager again, but he's so passionate about this industry because he sees the solutions it can provide. Forget like, yes, can Terrace and Verano and all these great companies, Air Wellness be great. The answer is yes, but he also sees how crazy this industry is right now that we're not letting people know that these solutions exist in a, in a real way. I mean, is that a good, like a good answer talk? Cause I don't think you're it's in the space to make money. Yes. You have a business. Yes. Oh, I, I CB capital management. Make money. My wife might think I'm thinking of myself as you say that he's not charging and he's not here to make money. Like thank God my wife's not hearing this because she's, well, I guess, know, I, I guess on your, on your funds, it's possible to do well by doing good. And I do think we're on the, on the right side of history. 
And I do think this is an emerging asset class. One of the reasons we focused on, on public stocks is because we do believe that institutions are going to adopt this as the education manifests. And they understand this is about getting well, not about necessarily just getting high. Um, and that this is a, you know, we were working with some companies right now that are working on getting minor cannabinoids to employees through their payment plans. You know, think about, you know, everyone as, you know, as we were growing up, Jason, thought that, you know, the runner's high was endorphins, but we now know that the runner's high is an endocannabinoid. So there's an endocannabinoid that- I didn't know that. Yes, that it, that it triggers exactly the same way as THC triggers in your body. And so you're like, holy cow, it is a runner's high. It is an actual high. It's THC, um, it, it, it mimics THC. And so when we talk about our bodies all having these, uh, this endocannabinoid system and these processes already in our body, and then cannabis cannabinoids helping to supplement that over time, you start to understand that this is very much part of the solution, not just for the for the indications and for the, uh, the pain and all of the different conditions you're talking about, but I think it's also a solution to really unwind us from gaping stacked on medicines uh, and prescription medicines for different uh, you know, for different side effects. I mean, for all of these medicines, there's another medicine for side effect, not an accident, right? They're making a lot of money on this. So I think as this education, un, 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 you know, unfolds, uh, we do think the institutions, when they're able, will be able to step into the space. Uh, we know that they were massing in November, but I think a lot of people have just sort of said, hey, you know, produce the corpse and we're really slowing at this point. Like, show us that you're actually so serious about federal change and you know and we'll start and we're happy to pay up a little bit to get there and you know we'll see what happens we're you know we need the government to stay open that much i know right it's not just about yeah. safe banking it's about the hhs it's about the doj um and we think that you know it's one of those things that when i went to dc they said something that i that stuck with me they said you know the federal government's not designed to move fast states are designed to be more nimble the federal government is designed to move slow but when change happens it tends to happen all at once. And I was like, okay. So, you know, they actually maintain that over the last decade, the issue of cannabis has made more progress than pretty much any other issue. Um, Wall Street, you know, investors, we don't have the same lens. We don't have the same measuring stick, right? We need things now. So we'll see what happens. Okay. So, and I, we have like two minutes left. There's two things I want to say. One is, yeah. Todd has CB1 Capital Management Funds, uh, consulting business. So if you're looking to invest in cannabis, I don't know if he's raising now, but he has funds and he he knows these companies intimately well as you hear him talking about this stuff. So reach out if you're on the fund side. You have his, also his Cannabis Confidential um, Substack newsletter. But the thing, other thing I was going to say, Todd, is if they created some sort of cannabinoids that would help with lowering cholesterol or losing weight, I think you would see some another mass adoption because I, I have Crestor. That I'm supposed to be taking. And if there was a cannabis solution, I'd much rather take that, you know, like well, some THCV little... It's funny. You should say that THCV is a minor cannabinoid. It is um, quickly gaining adoption. Uh, this will get you high, but it's an appetite suppressant. Oh, so we got the Ozempic competitor. Yeah, quite possibly, but, uh, T but THCV, THCV? You, like, in California, I tried it at the glass house, had some great new gummies with THCV. Glass house. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's oh. out there. So yes, we just need to do more work and, uh, and educate right, I'm writing, people. I'm, I think we'll get there, my man. I'm writing this down, the CBN for the nighttime thing. You said to check out THCV. Okay. And then the other thing Todd was saying was 
I was saying like, hey, why isn't there like the ADD? And he said, every body is different. Every person is different. Just like if you went to a bar, there was different alcohol. Will there be a solution or are you working on one of like that you like give your DNA swab and then it tells you you're fit for these three things, Todd? I mean, we're not, but I saw those companies floating around a couple of years ago. I don't think they were there from a technology standpoint yet, but that is definitely already, you know, in motion. Uh, Yes. Okay. Because that. Okay, that'd be cool. So now, Todd, a couple of questions that are really quick that not are Canvas related. What was your worst or your first job? Your worst or your first or both? In life, this is goes back in the day. My first job was, I, was, I think I was 13. I was flipping bagels. My worst job when I was, uh, I think I was 16. My brother did that. That was great. It was, uh, yeah. I got fat as fuck though. And the worst job I was, I think I just moved to California. I was 16. Um, and I made $50 a day picking weeds in that field because I needed the money. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. But I also look back on it and say, Hey, you know, worst case, I could always go back and do that. So <laughs> how many days a week, how many days do you do that for I before like, you quit? I was on the weekends cause I was, I went to, I was in high school, oh. but, uh, I was like, I did it for a few weekends. Hey, you know, you need money. Listen, it's funny, a different generation these days, but I, uh, I'm a big believer that if you work from a young age, it, it serves you in good stead. But uh, Todd, I responded to one of those ads in the newspaper about making $20 an hour. So I go to the job interview. The guy says, you have the job. And what it was was carrying a bag of stuff and going and knocking on doors, like nail salons, all this stuff. And they would have no solicitors. Like, And the guy who was training me this day, we'd walk in. They said, we said no solicitors. And he goes, I thought it said no Sicilians or something. And that was the way he sold. It was the most embarrassing thing I've done, but it was interesting. And, you know, it's the hustle and knocking on doors. But, okay, so I got worst and first. And then um, what was, like, or either the coolest person you smoked cannabis with or one of the cooler meetings you had back in the day in your hedge fund days? I mean, I know that you were on the front of everything, and um, I know your parties that you threw, uh, Minionville days. Like, what were the, like, coolest like couple of meetings with people that you had i you know there's been a few of those uh okay. so let's just say yeah. that there were there have been you know i'm i got married at with 41 the, and everything before that has been blacked out and, and redacted. yeah well well why why <laughs> i even why but why i asked that guys any person you see on wall street from the carl icons world to uh, Todd has been there with them in the same place i'm trying to just on un- people understand when they see you from a cannabis perspective todd I don't think they realize your past. I don't think they realize how successful you were as a hedge fund manager. I don't think people know that unless they were following you back then. And so I'm just trying to represent, you have someone that's not a Johnny come lately in this space. Like I'm not trying to do a kiss up here, but it's the funniest thing to me is I bring up this little thing about, um, I said cholesterol and then I said um, appetite suppressant. Right away, Todd goes into THCV. Then you talk about the cabinoids. You're like an encyclopedia of this space. I guess my last question is, how does someone get 10% of the knowledge you have on this space if they really want to understand how the cabin, cabinoid system works uh, like in the, in the body? Because that part that you talk about, I'm not even 1%. How does someone get 5% of what you know? I guess that's where that's because you know, that's why I keep we have, we have a lot of stuff goes, on our website, which is a good starter. What's you know, your website link? Uh, CB1cap.com. CB1cap.com. Season Charlie B's and Boy 1. Um, cap.com. So that's a good start to go check it out. Yeah, there's some stuff there, but I, there's there's plenty of books. I had just gotten a few books. I don't even know where they are, but there's plenty of literature that's now coming out um, about the endocannabinoid system. And if you follow the science, it's really fascinating. Okay. Um, but I think All most right. people right now are, are 
you know, if I could be frank, they, you know, at, at this point, they think that the, the space is dead and, and that the industry is over um, and there's no place to run. And, you know, you talk about having 34 years of experience on Wall Street. Like, I don't know when, how or why, but this is the type of environment where, you know, I say this as I watch these games breaking down, but this is the type of environment where, you know, you get a kiss from the gods. There's not going to be anybody left to sell. Uh, so it's worth paying attention to. Um, there's a few catalysts on the horizon. Like I said, we need to keep the government open. Uh, but if you follow the fundamentals, like the names that we talked about, uh, I think you're going to do okay no matter what happens at the federal level. And then if you get that kiss, uh, then we could maybe have some fun. Uh, next is, the, is, the, is the kiss from the government, is that what we need? Yeah, that's become the, that's become the, you know, that's become the, the phase three binary, okay. you know, readout okay. at this point. All right, yep. we will have to, we all have Todd on again. Cam, Camp Cannabis Confidential, his Substack is awesome. He is, as you hear, an encyclopedia in this industry. And the reason I talk about his hedge fund days so much is because he was the man in the hedge fund space. He was the man building a uh, financial media company, Minionville, from scratch. Like this is what Todd does, and so that's what I think is so interesting. You don't you don't go in lightly. You go in as deep as anyone. And I said about how you're not just doing this for money or whatever. Mission Green isn't you're not making money off mission green. What no. you're trying to do is a movement. And so I want to be very clear. Todd is not in this industry just to be um, like a saint. He wants to make money because he believes there's a huge opportunity, but then he also believes in mission green and what Weldon's doing to, cause it's the right thing to do. So I just, those two things doing well by doing good is a great way to put it. So Todd Harrison, CB one capital management. Thank you for being a forerunner for connecting the space and doing what you do. I like, I don't know. I don't know how you keep like getting into different industries that then become controversial. Then everyone was going to be like, I guarantee a year from now, maybe it's two years from now. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, of course you didn't take the ADD cabinet, you know, like, and then we'll go back to this video right now and people, and you could say, I told you so, but like, that's, what's going to happen. So thank you for coming on the Raz report. We went a little long, but I really appreciate you coming on. No, I appreciate you. I'll see you in a few weeks, my man. Yes, thank you, thank you.